0: jesus father we come before you to lift up praises to your name merciful god heavenly father precious savior bridge over troubled water our strong tower our high habitation the lily of the field our bright and morning star our hope for tomorrow a strong link in the chain of life our safety net Our peace in the time of trouble. Our stabilizer. Our fear breaker. Our suspender. Our life giver. You are the shining light in our dark situations. You are the divine. You are our hiding place. Our resting place. Our day star. Our refuge. The banner of our life the truth, our advocate. You are the judge in the highest court of the universe. You are our great physician, our healer, the word you sent to heal us, our way maker, our deliverer, our protector, our provider. You are our all in all, the way, the only true God. You are our love our peacemaker our song our strength and our melody you are the air that we breathe the ocean flowing in our hearts our sunset our rising Sun you are El Elan the Most High God and we sing all praises unto you Lord Father we thank you for being present today to open up the revelation of your word that will bring us hope, peace, joy, unity and wisdom. So Father, I thank you for revealing those things to me that you will have us to know, and I will speak only those things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're in uh, First Timothy chapter five, and we're going to visit verses 1 through 25. Now, I titled this Leadership in the Church Family because Paul is giving instructions to Timothy concerning um, the people in the church, how they need to be handled and and dealt with. And he, he likened it to a family, which is something I've always understood and received, but it's unfortunate because we believe don't really look at the church like a family. We look at it as an institution. So I'm gonna be working in two different Bibles because I want us to have the real understanding and King James, the way it's worded, um, may be a little bit more challenging to really get the revelation and in, in, in reading it. So what I'll do is probably go back and forth because I just love King James. (laughs) So I'm going to read it and then we'll go back and dissect it. So uh, First Timothy chapter five, and it says rebuke not an elder. Now elder here in this position is really talking about an older person. Not the pastor or the bishop or the people in leadership It's just talking about Older people, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger the younger as sisters, with all purity. This this is is, is a, a message I probably need to be speaking on on Saturday when more people are here, so we can learn some some order and honor. <laughs> It says, honor widows that are widows, indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home. Now, that word nephew in the Greek really means grandchildren, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and to requite or repay their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. Now, she that is a widow, indeed, and dissolute." trusted in God and continued in supplication and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. So (laughs) that means that she indulges in pleasure. Okay. Is dead while she liveth. Which we all were before we became saved. Dead people walking. (laughs) And these things give in in charge, or he's commanding Timothy, that they may be blameless. So he's charging Timothy to put this in action so that the people, as well as Timothy, will remain blameless. Okay? But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he have denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel or an unbeliever. Let not a widow be taken into the number under 3 score years or that means 60 years old have been the wife of one man well reported of uh, for good works if she have brought up children if she have lodged strangers if she have washed the saints feet and if she have relieved the afflicted if she have diligently diligently followed every good work now the washing of the feet is, it was an hospitality action that people offered when they had visitors because they were walking on dirt roads uh, with sandals on and their feet will get dirty. So as a hospitality act when they would come to your home uh, you offered to wash their feet before they, you know, come in and and get comfortable. Which would be the same with people who have carpeting when you walk into their home you take your shoes off. And and so he says uh, ten well reported of uh, for good works. If she had brought up children, if she lodged strangers, she washed the saints feet, if she relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. And, it's, and so let's go back. Paul begins teaching Timothy on the expectation and regulations on how every position in church must be treated. Paul sees the church as a family working together in harmony, unity, and peace, which you will find in Ephesians 4. And let's go over there for a second. And look what it says, because the word confirms itself all through the word. When you you study the word, you will find that out. So Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 11, talks about um, the offices that are in the church. I often state that there are certain offices gifts that are given into the church to bring order, to bring unity, wisdom, and clarity. Well, God also in the natural have positions in the family for that same reason. So the family unit, the father, the mother, the children, and all of these different relatives are there for to bring, uh, unity, order, and consistency, but it only works on the earth. So when we leave here, to go be with the Lord in kingdom, there is no need for any offices or positions or title Amen. because everything is perfect. Amen. So this is why I try to tell people that after death, when you when you see your relatives in heaven, you won't know them as mama, daddy, sister, brother, whatever. Amen. They're just another saint. Yeah. You know, so you need to make the best of that position while you're here on earth. (laughs) Because after this body dies, your spirit goes on to be in heaven. Those positions don't even exist. Okay? So, verse 11 said, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. That means that those are all the offices that are in, in the church for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's for the purpose of equipping the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity. So they're to faithfully do this for us to all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That perfection means maturity. And so until we all become mature, because there's no perfection in one single person but Jesus Christ. And the, per- the, the perfect picture is that we are all, based on the gifting and the calling that has been given to us, are fulfilling that purpose within that call, within that office, working together in unity, peace, and harmony. That's the perfection in the sight of God. This is why Paul is giving the church these instructions, because we operate out of order and God is not pleased. Okay. So it's so in order to come into all of that, he says that we're henceforth no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. (coughs) Excuse me, because when you're being taught biblical doctrine and the pure gospel of the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ, then you're not carried away. And toss to and fro with other kinds of doctrines that come out of men, but does not come out, out of this Bible. Or come out of their different interpretation of the Bible to fit their whims and their philosophy and what have you. Okay. And and it says in coming and the and the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive because they're moved by an unclean spirit that wants you to be deceived and to be ignorant. Of who Christ is in order for you not to glorify Christ by your life, by your thoughts, by your words. Amen. Amen. He says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplyeth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love so think about the structure of the human body the anatomy of the body and every part that's working according how it should brings perfection but if one is out of sync it affects the whole body yes. medically scientifically Okay, definitely spiritually so he relates that then when all of these parts of offices and giftings are working according to how it should then because one is supplying to the other and vice versa and it keeps it keeps the life going it keeps everything operating of the way that it needs that way that it needs to be operating opposed to Uh, doing doing your own thing and having your own thoughts. See, we need to look at the bigger picture. We only look at our individual self because that's how we actually was raised. Some of us, okay. But when you look at the bigger picture and you look and you see, you look for how you can make everything work perfectly and effectually, not only spiritually but in the body of Christ, but naturally. And emotionally, and so you don't sit back and wait and just think you could do just what you want to do when you feel like doing it and it's going to benefit and profit everybody else. No, you are a stumbling block when you do that. And when you get angry because it's brought to your attention, this is why the body of Christ is so powerless. When we have been given power and authority, But we are the reason why we do not have the power that we need to operate in because there is order in that power operating according to how it needs to operate. When everything is well furnished, well all in tune to purpose and doing what they're supposed to do and working together in unity, that's the power. And Satan can't do anything with that. Because in order for you to be working like that, you have to have a deep love for Christ so that you can love his people. And because you love his people, you are willing to make the sacrifices. You are willing to step out and do what is necessary to be done. And perfect love casts out all fear. Well, We'll go back to Timothy. I believe that there would be greater success in our lives and more spiritual power in the world when we, the church, follow and obey Paul's instructions that comes directly from the throne room of heaven. I'm going to read the commentary out of David Jeremiah's Bible concerning uh, verses one and two. Paul uses family terms like father, brother, mothers, and sisters to characterize relationships within the church. This reflects the idea of the early church notion that the assembly of believers was God's household. So for this reason, Timothy and pastors today should avoid stem rebuke when dealing with members of the congregation. It is far more effective to exhort them. That term implies urging, bringing correction, and encouragement. So you know the difference between a strong a uh, strong rebuke, but when you bring correction, and a lot of people who don't who resent being told anything takes correction as a strong rebuke. It, it's it's uh, urging correction and encouragement. That's the the word exhort. It's used. See, you cannot human flesh cannot handle being pampered and flattered mm-hmm. all the time. Okay. You're set up for destruction, yeah. Yeah. set up for disaster. That's why uh, the, the, spirit of, the spirit of flattery is, is an unclean spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about when people use it and, and major in it for the wrong reasons, You to compliment, yes. Because we go from one extreme to the other especially women don't want to compliment other women out of jealousy okay but the flattery for the intent of making that person stay your friend or to get favor or to look good in the sight and then the recipient always having to be flattered and never corrected if they're not being flattered they don't want to hear what you got to say if it brings correction it's an extreme on both ends amen Amen. and that's what we have to wake up to and so Paul is 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 giving instructions and directions to Timothy so that being a young man he is not deceived by people now in verses 1 through 2 He gives instructions on how to treat elderly men and women as well as young men and young ladies. So let's go back to um, those two verses again when he's telling rebuke not elderly people. He's not talking about the office of an elder, he's talking about elders. Y'all know that term, okay. So how you're to treat a father because when you have been raised appropriately by your natural parents, then you know how to handle people outside of your family in the appropriate way. But when you have not been taught to honor, to respect authority, not just your parents, and see let me tell you, thank you Lord Jesus, some people who have not been taught to respect people outside of the parents, only learn how to respect, show respect to the parent because they were threatened. So they don't honor and respect, they're just afraid that this is not gonna roll with them. So therefore, when other elderly people or people who are in authority are giving you directives and correction or whatever, they take on the notion, you can't tell me what to do because you're not my mother or my daddy. And don't even try. And because they have not been brought up appropriately according to how they're supposed to, then the parents sanction that with, with supporting their position and going to the school to threaten the teachers. Or telling other relatives, that's my child, and, and don't you say nothing to them? How ignorant. Because what you have actually done is you have taught your child not to honor and respect authority. The main ones that take that position, those are the children that end up getting in trouble with the law. amen, amen. Well, see, I came up, I'm an only child. But I came up with, in my neighborhood, any other neighbors could check me. Amen. Yes. And I better not even let that happen because I'm going to get it when my parents come home on top of whatever they have already done. So I respect them. And I didn't take, the, I never take the position, you can't tell me nothing. Because I was taught at home how to respect and honor authority. Actually, because I was an only child, I don't know why my, she must have been operating in fear, why my mother felt like she needed so much help because she could handle it all by herself. Uh, She, because she didn't play. But she felt like she had to really get everybody to add punishment to what she's already done. So I had people who, most of them, all they had to do was just talk to me and I would be crying like they whooped me. (laughs) So I had so much involvement, other people, uh, other relatives, close friends of hers, whatever, who had input in my life, but it was a blessing because I was getting wisdom from older people that I listened to because I dare not take the position, I ain't listening to this. No, I listen. So I was taught how to be disciplined, how trained how to hear in wisdom and then apply it. So as a result, you can handle yourself in any position, in any place. Amen. So the people who don't know how to handle the positions in the church is because they wasn't taught at home. That foundation. See, what you don't know haven't have experienced in the natural, you have a hard time comprehending in the spirit. Just like so many people who get saved do not understand, have not comprehended how the Father loved them because they have not had a fatherly, naturally fatherly love that shows them that they're loved. And so the Lord has to go through a lot to get them to understand how much he loves them because they didn't experience natural fatherly love. Amen. Amen. So it's a good thing that uh, I thought I was going to go through this whole chapter, but I don't think I'm going to make it. It's a good thing that Paul is teaching the the pastors at that time, starting with Timothy, how to have a healthy, whole life church. So he's teaching them how to respond to the elderly. He's also teaching them how to treat young men and young women. Now that's something that really needs to be revisited a lot in the church. Okay? Because there's a respectable way. I have a problem with older people basically from my generation back who won't regard younger people and think they have nothing to contribute. And shut up, children are to be seen and not heard. Yeah. Or uh, uh, what do you know? You haven't lived long, long enough. Come on. What you're doing right then is that you're grieving their spirits and you're also making them become feel very insecure as a human being. Because God speaks to every living soul. He just doesn't speak to older people. Now what you really need to be careful about since God speaks to every living soul. Then he should have been speaking to you all of your days that got you to become an elderly gray haired person. And you should have more wisdom and knowledge than what you are operating in in order to be the example before the younger people. While you so while you want to dis, you know uh, disqualify them, you should have enough wisdom to know to qualify them and listen to them, because they will respect you more and follow what you have to say because you are teaching them and not always admonishing and and, and punishing them for every every little thing. That has something to do with your personality, yeah. not theirs. Yeah. <laughs> and then how to treat the, the the young women in the church. You're supposed to treat them as a sister with some purity and with respect rather than uh, sitting up, thinking wrong thoughts or hitting on them and all this kind of stuff. I mean think about it. If that's your sister would you want your friends and your, your, your daddy hitting on your sister. Well, that's how you need to think about it when you're, um, how you handle people in the church. But then on the other hand, some of you single women, let me talk to you. Are you handling yourself in a blameless way? Because you happen to know who you are in Christ? Or are you still searching, trying to find out who you are, but, you, but not in Christ? So you need a validation from any male that you get all up in their face and try to entice. And when the the wrong one comes your way, then you're not really interested in enticing, but they've been watching your action with others. Then you wanna cry, because that that wasn't the one. If the right one had showed up, you'd be okay. But since the right one didn't show up, you wanna cry. What, What does they say? What's that phrase? Wolf, you got it, sister. Cry wolf then, you know, and then you want to be holy and righteous because you're just not interested in that male counterpart. Amen. To your own self, yes. be true. Amen. Because if you're true to yourself, then you're true to the Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so we're to teach, treat them... As young sisters helping them the older women should be teaching them how to be holy and to be pure and to be wholesome and how to be good wives and so on okay the older men should be treating them like their little sisters and protecting them from the other wolves and encouraging them and giving them wisdom verse 3 when Paul talks about um, uh, well, actually, from verses 3 to 16, he's given instructions of how to treat widows, which that he uses a lot of uh, verses on this. But when he talks about um, uh, honoring uh, widows, he means by esteeming them with or by material or financial support because they need help, okay? And, and so in and, and number four, when he says, if any of them have children, or remember I told you here, nephews mean grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Let them learn first to show piety at home. And he's talking about those children and grandchildren to show respect to the parent that is a widow now. And And that means by honoring them and esteeming them but also taking making sure that they are cared for because each family bears the responsibility of their widows which takes some of the pressure off of the church so you have a they have a responsibility to for caring for the widow that is among them that goes down not just from the children say that the lady does not have any biological children, but she has been the good example in the church and she has mothered, spiritually, children in the church. Okay? But she has nephews and nieces. They're supposed to take up that responsibility. You know, other, other uh, races of people that migrate from other countries and come here, you, you notice how they do that? They come here, get property, businesses, and then send for the rest of the family, tribe, and bring them here and set them up. That's why they will pay cash for property so that they can get the prime property before somebody else does in order to bring their tribe. I'm not talking about that media family, all of them, and get them set, they take care of their people. Why don't we do that? And I'm talking about the black race that always talking about black lives matter, who wants reparations, who's always complaining about the white man. We just take care of our business and do what we're supposed to do. You won't have time to complain about anything else. So in in verse five, it says, now she has a widow indeed and dissolute trusted in God and continued in supplication and prayer. In other words is what it's saying. She has no relatives to take care of her, but her hope has been totally in God. And spend night and day in prayers and supplication as a faithful member of the church. That's what it's talking about, amen. That you you give consideration to her needs. It says, but she that liveth in pleasure, mm. <laughs> she that in <laughs> don't say nothing. <laughs> She that indulges in pleasure, in other words, she's more concerned about having a good time and appeasing her flesh and her emotions, that's what it means, okay? Is already dead. She's a walking dead person. So the church has no responsibility to support her needs. That's what he's saying. You don't, you don't put no concern in that situation. it does not set up for a good example okay (coughs) I tell you this is controversial (laughs) but that but seven and these things give charge he's telling Timothy I want you I'm giving you a command to give these charges to these people in these positions so that they will always be blameless not put any blame on them And he's referring to the widows who are maintained by the church. They have to be blameless. Okay? Because the support is reserved for those truly worthy of it. The support is for those who are truly worthy of it. Why? Because people will work the church just like they do the world. Amen? And there are too many people with legitimate needs that are being overlooked for other people who are constantly working the church for their selfish, greedy needs and they're not even living in a righteous state. Y'all hear me? That's why I will take an evaluation every so often through the wellness to say, you need to put your focus here now. Okay, and oh, but what we've been, because God gives you enough wisdom and understanding through biblical learning to know what to do and how to do it and how to properly take care of it. Amen. Amen. Now, in um, verses um, 9 through 16, I guess I better read Jeremiah's commentary concerning that. Paul addresses the issues of which widows the church should assist financially. He affirms that older, single women who serve selflessly and mentor younger women are great assets to the church and should be supported, while the younger widows, who often indulge sensual desires and follow idle ways, lend to pose a threat and should not be supported. Isn't that interesting? And you can hear them, what? What is your problem? So, <laughs> so in, in these verses we're we're gonna go from 11 to 14, I mean 11 through 16, he's talking about the, the younger women, he's talking about younger widows, not younger women in general, younger widows because in verse nine he talks about those who are under 60 years of of age those who are 60 years and older who are widows is who you to focus on whether or not they need to be taken care of but if they're less than 60 years and younger, no because they can work um, in my in, in, in my commentary it says, a Christian man or woman with a widow in the family is the support that a particular widow that's in that family. This prevents the church from being unnecessarily burdened and then it frees them up to add, add aid to the widows who are in more dire need. Okay, so um, verses 11 through through 16, I'm gonna read those because I don't think I read those and then we'll talk about it. But the younger widows refuse, for when they had begun to wax wanted against Christ, they will marry. So okay, y'all understand what what we're talking about, is when they have grown cold towards their relationship with the Lord. They're Christians, but they've gone cold towards their relationship with the Lord because they let their flesh and their emotions dictate to them how they need to live. And, okay, let me just say this. If you are a virgin, you don't crave for sex. And I know some of you haven't been a virgin in so long you don't remember that. But if you could just think back, when you were a virgin, and especially from our age back, because we didn't have the, thank God, the opportunity to see as much mess on TV and hear stuff on the radio that will incite things in in you, okay? So when you have not been touched You don't crave for something that you have not even experienced, okay? But once those doors have been opened, then that is a need that you have to now take care of. But if you're not in a position of being married, then you have to pray for God to suppress those desires so that you don't do anything that will not be pleasing in his sight, that will cause you to be out of order, which means fornicate or commit adultery or have some perverted sexual uh, 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 satisfaction. Do y'all understand where I'm coming from? Okay, so this this is what uh, he's really talking about when he's talking about these young widows who have begun to fall into dealing with their emotions and stuff and and but not married yet and so when that happens and you feel like you cannot be in control then you need to focus on praying to help god to keep you to you find the person that you need to be married to to bring the satisfaction to your needs god said i know a lot of us think That when that feeling come up, you can't control it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't, but God can. And when you surrender those desires over to him, he will take care of you and suppress that where you don't don't have those desires where they're out of control and you just got to do it. I know what God will do for you. Okay, But you have to lean on him, depend on him and trust in him because he promises to keep us in any and every situation. And he will do that. But you cannot listen to society tell you how to be a godly person, how to maintain your body. You cannot listen to society or to the medical system that we can tell you because they are not operating out of a spiritual mindset. And everything that's pertaining to life and death is in this book. And this is where we're supposed to learn how to live accordingly. It's from this book and not from the outside world that has no clue about spirituality. So we don't have to make excuses. Or, or, or say, well, if this hadn't happened or this, you know, we don't have to do any of that. We put all of our confidence and our trust in the Lord. And he, he will provide. He shall provide. But you got to trust him for everything. Not just for certain things, but for everything. Amen? Amen. So, okay, um... Verse 12 is just supporting what 11 said, that they have cast off all their constraints because they have no more faith in their Savior. That's what that verse 12 is saying. And with all, they've learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house. That means they're gossiping. Busybodies, you got it. Going from house to house, running their mouth. (laughs) And, and it says that in the body. But tattlers also and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. They, they need a life. Yeah. And when you don't have one, that's what you do. Yeah. Because then your flesh and your emotions take over. But see, when the Bible doesn't lie, then it says that with uh, the people who don't have a vision, they perish. So that means that you need to be mindful of what is it that God wants you to be doing. See, because when you all concern about how you feel all the time, you don't have a vision. You don't have a vision when all you're concerned about is how I feel. Because when you have a vision in Christ, you can't sit up and major on your feelings all the time. Number one because you're busy number two because you are focused in on christ the moment you start sitting there feeling all sad and sorry and trying to figure out what you can do to make your body your flesh feel good the spirit of the lord pops up and start reminding you about how you don't need to sit here and feel sorry for yourself and because you've been a reader of the word certain words pop up in your spirit to stop you to come out of that pity party now that's a fact that's a given i'm not just speaking what i've read in the bible i'm talking about from experience because we are all in flesh and weak But what makes it a problem is when you surrender to the weakness, not because you're being tempted. When you surrender to the temptation, that's what is the problem, and that's where the sin lies. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to fall into the temptation. So when we're tempted, we know what we need to do. We know what we need to say to fight against it so it does not overpower us because once you open the door, Satan is not going to say, well, okay, I just had a of fun with you right now. i close this door. That door is going to stay open. And he comes in and out at, at will. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're overcome and overpowering. You tell me, well, I just can't help it. Okay, so, all right, all right. Uh, verse 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear, bear children, guide their house, give no occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully for some are already turned aside from Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them believe them and let not the church be charged. He's talking about take care of them, that's what he means. Let them take care of those widows, okay? That it may relieve them that our widows are, widows are indeed. So he's telling them, if there are any, let the family take care of them, verse 14. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, he's talking about younger widows, and bear children and guide their house rather than falling into the weakness of their flesh. Okay? And, and give no occasions to where the enemy is speaking to you to, to do what is out of character as a born-again believer. For an unbeliever, that's character for them to live like they live. But as a born again believer, he wants you to live holy and faithful to Christ and in prayer, blameless. And if you can't do it, then you need to be married. We're going to do the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace traveling mercies as you leave this place remember that God has you never leave you never forsake you that he would that you would prosper be in health even as your soul prosper in Jesus name and tell somebody about Jesus amen amen, amen.